interesting thing for me uh, or to me was that the obviously we're getting to see the moments of death, uh, which is it's sad, awful. Anyways, um, the. <laughs> Welcome to Cattles of Runeterra, episode 55. I'm your host, Ryan, here with your other host, Hetch. We're, we're getting up there in, in these episodes. Like, There's gray in my beard. There's yeah. Gray in my hairs. I <laughs> yelled at children to get off my lawn. Podcast is 55 episodes. Too old for this. We're middle-aged. We're middle-aged. We made it. We made it. Um, the... It's funny because I, I was mentioning the podcast to someone the other day, and I said, "Yeah, we have over sixty episodes, and we didn't." And that was probably the first time <laughs> I've overestimated our episode. That, that is a hundred percent the first time that you've overestimated it. Uh, like pierce the veil of how this works. It's usually like, "What episode is this?" And then just like whatever it actually is minus eight, and that's exactly. like your guess. <laughs> But no, you're out in the wild. It's like, oh, we have 300 episodes. Yeah, I know. It, it's I record listen. daily. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but no, we're back. And as always, we're back with our housekeeping. This episode's a little bit different, but that part's the same. Uh, you can listen to us everywhere. Follow us on TikTok for clips and on Twitter and YouTube for clips as well. Uh, and on Twitter to keep up to date on episodes. That's the best way. That's at Podcast Core. That's Podcast C-O-R. You can send an email to the same name at gmail.com. Leave a like, follow, short review, slash comment. They're very much appreciated. They help us get discovered a lot more. Uh, and another thing that helps us get discovered is you telling a friend to purify the mist by listening to the Casuals of Runeterra podcast. Purify the mist, go to the store, crack open a Sierra mist. <laughs> Don't you do this. <laughs> Don't you do this. Sponsor us. <laughs> sponsored, sponsored by Sierra Mist. Everybody would be so confused. The that <laughs> you know that technically that line alone now makes us a sentinel weapon. We now qualify. We can be used to purify the mist. Ah, uh, wait, wait, wait. So, if that makes us a sentinel weapon, how does that make us a sentinel weapon? Ooh, we'll get like, there. Ooh. ooh. Oh, we're going to get there? Is that what's going to happen? <laughs> so Hetch is hinting at this episode, and this is going to be different. We've talked about it for a while, and it's taken us 55 episodes. Um, the usual format, you guys are used to like champion-focused episodes where we talk more about the cards as well, um, and as they relate to the champions within Legends of Runeterra. But uh, what we're going to do this episode, which is also different from like our Point X episodes where we talk about patches and stuff, is we're going to talk about specific stories within a region. And something that feels timely is the current Sentinel of Light arc that's being talked about a good bit here. So we're going to get into it. And this is most likely going to be a multi-parter. Uh, but for this episode, we're going to start with the comic that came out uh, and that a lot of people have been talking about. Uh, it was a big focus with the events that went on in Legends of Runeterra as well as League of Legends. They ran side by side uh, to kind of expand out the Viego arcs, right? And we've done a Viego episode, so definitely go listen to that. Um, but there are a lot of champion episodes we've done in the past that relate here. So we're going to, as we talk about it and go through the issues, we're going to mention those because those are going to give you a lot of foundation 
um, and a lot more detail into what we're talking about with the comics. Uh, so you ready to hop into it, Hatch? You want to? You want to? Yeah, yeah. Uh, before we do hop into it, um, this this is the one time that we're gonna say this. Um, if you haven't read these comics and you are interested in reading them yourself, and yeah. you don't like spoilers, uh, yeah, th- this is your chance to <laughs> cut us off. <laughs> Go read and then listen to this because uh, we're we're not going to hold anything back. We yeah. we've been itching to jump into this, so yeah, uh, we're we're going to talk about it. Um, that's your we, warning. <laughs> that's your warning. And for you, Legend of Rune Terra players, you probably have some League of Legends people listening, but we're going to mention a few cards that have some quotes and some things that do um, relate and fit very well into the way this comic format is set. So let's let's start off with it. So. Uh, as far as relatable characters, we'll start there. Ones you're going to want to look out or kind of look into on our champion episodes is like Akshan, um, Lucen, uh, Senna, not yet. We'll get there. Uh, Viego, and maybe a little bit of Callista. Um, if you just want some extra stuff, not so much Callista. Yeah, the uh, like the big the big one as far as like the Shadow Isles characters is going to be Viego. Yeah. Uh, as far as for what the purposes of what we're diving into. But um, if you do want to get that little bit extra, like Callista and Hecarim, like they, they're involved there too. And Thresh as well. Yep. But um, I mean, once we get towards the end of all that we want to talk about, like it'll be a little more clear as to why Thresh is going to be like his own thing. <laughs> 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 that, that, that's gonna that's gonna be fun to get into, but uh, definitely Akshan, Lucian, and uh, Senna. Like those are the big ones that you want to really brush up on first. Exactly. So yeah, let's get into it. Sentinels of Light, Steadfast Heart is the name of the comic. Uh, it's six issues, uh, not super long. It, it's a pretty like you can do it in one evening, kind of sit down for like an hour and blaze through these pretty quickly. Um, the art style is all the same. It's not like they passed it off to a bunch of different artists. It's just like a one-shot type situation. But in the first comic, they kick things off as expected um, if you've listened to our episodes. So for this comic, you're definitely going to want to listen to Lucian and Viego's episodes uh, to fill in those blanks. Um, but where the comic kicks off immediately is this focus on a parallel between Lucian handling the death of Senna um, or the capturing of Senna, however you want to phrase that, um, by Thresh, and Viego handling Isolde's death early on. Um, we say early on because it starts to progress, but where the first comic leaves off is the initial death. Um, and we also get like a just a kind of a, you know, a glimpse into what life was like before the these. Alt- these very altering events happen, but it, it, it's really more of just like icing on the cake at that point, because uh, the the main thing here is that we're gonna we're getting the look as to what is really driving both Viego and Lucian, um, and the, you. It's also kind of just the nice way to kind of just kind of dip your toes into the comics themselves instead of just having the video games there for the champion bios with their story Um, oh i was gonna say the the part that surprised me in this first issue because like hetch mentioned it very much focuses on the happier elements of their togetherness it's written almost in a poetic type standpoint as someone who's reminiscing about the past 
the way the panels are written. But the art choice is interesting because for Isolde, we don't really have art for her. So the way they represent her here, because you have this parallel, is very similar to uh, Senna's look. Uh, they kind of have similar features, and this is going to play a role later in the in the series. But I thought that was interesting off the bat. Yeah, especially when you're first reading it, like you do notice because there are very, very similar features that they share. And then it the way that they connect it later is like, oh, OK, that is something that like I that I could have been paying attention to. Um, the other thing, as far as like with the art, um, that was the most interesting thing for me uh, or to me was that the obviously we're getting to see the moments of death, uh, which is it's sad awful anyways um the <laughs> with Cinna getting captured by thresh and we when we get to chapter two we get to see more of this too uh the way that thresh is depicted is completely different than every other depiction of thresh that we've had up to this point because thresh kind of looks more like like a wraith like he is this this embodiment of malice instead of being that armored chain warden that we're used to seeing in League of Legends. Mm-hmm. They, you, as If you only are used to seeing him in League of Legends, there's nothing in the art here that is like, oh, yeah, that's Thresh. And then all of a sudden Thresh's hook comes out of it and it's like, oh, I guess it is Thresh. Okay, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Uh, uh, but that that's was the most interesting, uh, I guess, like creative move, yeah. Because uh, we we don't really have anything else outside of the comics that suggests that Thresh is, um, you know, one depiction or the other. And with him being a, an evil spirit, I it makes sense that he could take up either form. Yeah, that that's actually a great point uh, another artistic uh angle here was when you have so it's written in parallel which means that when Isolde takes the dagger and when Senna gets captured those panels are close together and also following those incidents we get two like profile shots of Lucian like kind of head on and then Viego and in both those panels they're like cracked panels like you can almost see it's like, OK, this is the moment where their world shatters, you know, metaphorically. And from that panel on is where you start to see the personality start to shift. Diego slowly losing his mind, Lucian becoming in, in, in uh, engrossed in this concept of revenge. And that leads to something I thought that was interesting was. It wasn't purely um, portraying like sorrow as something to be empathized with. It almost showed it as a selfishness type thing, Um, especially with Viego, because you got to remember Viego from his story is a person that is already pretty self-centered. And then when he has to take over, he keeps that same energy. Like he's still that guy where he's like, hey, I'm just trying to chill and have fun. And then when he meets Azold, he takes that self-centeredness and puts it all into her. So he's still neglecting his people. He's still neglecting the the responsibilities of a king, right? And somebody of his status. And then when she dies, it goes even further in that direction. So at no point 
is he ever giving back to his people, which is something that his people should be mad at. So the response of it's not like he was stabbed in the back or anything like that. Right. It's like literally he has been neglecting his people from day one and they're fed up with it up to this point. Yeah. And to quote you from our Viego episode, <laughs> it, like the Viego comes away, like he starts off the story as and then leaves his story as a spoiled rich kid. Yeah. It, it was a spoiled rich kid that found something he wanted and that something was taken away. Uh, and the comic does do a great job of like really kind of hammering that home because they they have the panels with him, you know grieving over Isolde's death um, and all the advisors standing behind him going, um, the kingdom, the, your people, <laughs> Diego, please. Please. <laughs> please. We have to pay our taxes, Diego. <laughs> we, we, we need money to operate. <laughs> So they, they they do a good job of like kind of hammering it home that Viego did only cared about Isolde, but more importantly yeah. to him was what he wanted. Yeah, a good parallel would be the dot com boom crash of the market. The stock market is just <laughs> it's just crashing right now in his kingdom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's spot on. So this uh, takes us to comic two. That kind of wraps up there where they're both like, all right, it's mission time, right? We're going to go find our loves and figure this out and, you know, be sad. Um, what we expect based on what we know up to this point and where comic two picks up. So issue two is it picks up with both parties seeking action, right? They're now figuring out, okay, what do we want to do? Like, what do I have to do to get his old back? What do I have to do to save Senna? And the best part of the fact that we're going into the action is that we're getting more visual depictions of what happens at the ruination. So you know, this good good time of like when we're talking about Viego, Thresh, Hecarim, Callista, all those champions, they were at the first ruination. And the comic is actually kind of drawing out what happened there um and most importantly in viego's episode we also get drawn out what happens to viego at the ruination and oh yeah holy yeah. cow <laughs> we finally get that um one thing i want to mention here is we've been talking a lot about parallels right that's kind of what drives this story uh for the comics and one thing to keep in mind although it's told in parallel the timing is different so if you've listened to you know go listen to our lucian episode our viego episode the viego stuff has to happen first because of Thresh. So because Thresh is the incident that takes Senna from Lucian, he has to be a Wraith first. And that's the part that happens because of Viego. So there's a five-year timeline. We get that. We get that actually mentioned here. So we know there's five years between when Viego's incident happens and when Lucian is hunting Thresh. Yeah. Um, I mean, as far as the uh, that five-year timeline, too, this is like, kind of fleshed out a little bit better because it's like a five-year gap between Viego hunting uh, for the lost pieces of Isolde's soul. Yeah. And it's not a five-year gap between like the ruination because no. we we know that the ruination happened millennia ago yeah. as far as the Terra timeline. But it, it, we now know why the Shadow Isles has become such a threat all over again. 
And that's because Viego is gathering all of these encroaching mists to hunt out the pieces of Isolde's wraith soul so that he could be reunited with Isolde because, you know, his kingdom's already gone and everything, and he's going to ruin more kingdoms until he gets <laughs> his bride back because that's just, that is just what he does. It's what men do. <laughs> it's what <laughs> men do. Um, and the, now the parallel here is like throughout all of this, the only panels that we get of Lucian is Lucian just AFK farming wraiths. He he is like every panel, like Viego's panels are in such like they are in such detail. Like we're we're getting so, so many more details of like what Viego goes through between Isolde's death and the ruination. We're getting to see what the Blessed Isles looked like <laughs> before the ruination. We get to see what his sword looked like before he became a wraith. So much detail. And then like every other panel of just Lucian is just shooting wraiths with Senna! Just loot window <laughs> open in the corner. Just, he just keeps looking at like a CS counter and just trying to make sure that he's at 10, 10 creeps a minute. If I'm at 10 creeps a minute, I'm good. <laughs> so this, yeah, so meant, uh, I had to mention it. This issue does lean heavier into those concepts of selfishness, but mainly on Viego's end, he's the star of this issue. Uh, and we'll get more Lucian. We'll get there. Um, but the one thing that they lean more into as well, as we spoke about in the first issue, is the people of Camavore. So a lot of the background and a lot of the back silhouettes, we're getting some faces attached to them so that as Viego is going through his process of descending into madness, we're getting to see the people in his council and stuff respond to that with facial features. There's a couple of lines here from different um, advisors as well, kind of like, hey, get your shit together. Um, so that's something that's good to see uh, just how pissed everyone is getting with his nonsense. Yeah, and, and I mean, we've been saying it over and over again that they had a right to be pissed too. <laughs> like none of none of what happened to Viego is surprising. They they had every right to be pissed. Yeah, the, the people of Camavore deserved better, um, but instead they got a ruination. <laughs> <laughs> they they went out with the Sharima style, or Sharima copied it from them. It's you know we're we're still figuring that out. Yeah. And and one thing we another thing we get here is how the mist works. Right. So we know from a lot of different episodes we've done with anything on the Shadow Isles where the effects of the mist is um, very focused on the moment you are converted. Right. Or what they call spectrification and your persona at that point. Right. Because it hyper it when, when you turn to a specter, it hyper hyper focuses on who you were in that moment. And that's your persona post spectrification. Yeah. Um, and I think and, that's cool to actually see here because we didn't know what happened in the specific moments before. Yeah. And and it definitely makes a lot more sense now because we really only got to see that with like Callista and Hecarim stories. Uh, where like Hagram was always hyper focused on his prowess in battle as far as being a, a mounted knight of Camavore. And so then in, when he became a wraith, he's just leading every charge of the Shadow Isles that of harrowings that were leaving the Isles. And then Callista is hyper focused on getting revenge on the people who put the spears in her back. Um, yeah. And so we knew that that was what a wraith how a wraith acted but we're getting more details now as to like 
what the race actually are and how they became that way too. Uh, and the, now my favorite bit, as far as like looking into the ruination and everything, mm-hmm. um, because this it kind of plays into a lot of when we were talking about uh, Noxus and how Noxus came to be in the like current timeline of Runeterra is just how unstable Viego was even before he became a Wraith because we get the, we get to see the depiction of Isolde like becoming a Wraith coming out of the waters of life, grabbing his sword and stabbing him. And uh, like the last panel is just, you know, a weeb's dream of embracing your spectral love. So <laughs> like he, he, he's getting stabbed, but he's just like, ah, waifu, <laughs> finally step on me. Uh, and, That's and, me. That's me. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> the um, reader. Yeah, but uh, it, like we get to see like just it, it's kind of like the final cherry on top of the story of just how unstable Viego was becoming and how unstable like how that instability led into how much his wraith form is still just like nah. Hetch, I'm it just this. sounds like you're kink shaming to me, bro. Uh, hey, you know, you got to have the kink to be able to shame it. Like, <laughs> You know, I, I see a lot of myself in the story, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, so, but then yeah. we we get to go from there. Like it, it's an immediate jump over to Lucian. Mm-hmm. Like after this five like five rough years of just farming wraiths in the hunt for Thresh, and he's um again. You know, I, I said we were gonna do one spoiler alert, but this is for the laws now so spoiler alert he's getting his ass handed to him <laughs> yeah. so someone fed the thresh and lucian is not winning this fight and thresh being this maniac uh, this egotistical um just embodiment of evil is just like haha yeah what you're doing all of this for your lost girlfriend <laughs> i i got you you, you want to see her again and starts bringing <laughs> out her soul to the edge of the lantern. Uh, and then Lucian gets his one dub. He gets his one W in this whole freaking comic up to like, as far as like the chapter two. Uh, and that dub is that he breaks Thrush's lantern. Yep. And that is how the champion Senna returns to the rift. Exactly. Um, from a personality standpoint, so we talk, you know, this is very more focused on Viego while Lucian's farming, like I said, but we do get to see a transition of Lucian's um, personality because from his story, which once again, you should listen to, he was very isolated in his story before he met Senna. So he was already going into that personality trait of being, you know, not really caring about the outside world, just kind of doing his own thing, worrying about himself. And when he met Senna, she taught him, I'm not going to say taught him to love again, but taught him to want to be associated with someone again, rather than just being a loner. And to then lose her not too long after, he starts to go back down that path of self-destructiveness um, and that loner isolation thing. But it's like accelerated, right? It's more aggressive this time. So it's like this degenerative personality uh, situation, which is not good. 
yeah. in any in any story, real life, anything. Yeah, um, like the yeah. as far as in pop culture, like we now can compare it to like uh, in the MCU uh, with Hawkeye's character after the yeah, big exactly. Thanos snap. Yeah. Uh, like Hawkeye loses the anchor that he had to wanting to live a fulfilling life that give back to society and it was just like all right cool bet i'll kill everything in sight uh, <laughs> and lucian at least was like all right cool bet i'll kill every wraith in sight yeah um but the i that path does get reversed as far as like at the end of chapter two yeah. with Cinna being released from the lantern but we do get to see that how damaging it was like this five-year gap with yes. going back down that path, especially with his interactions with Senna um, and with some of the actions he takes later on, because it's now it's like, okay, I realized what I had. I lost it. And now I've got it back and I never want that to happen again. Yeah. So N we have a new personality problem. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, the human mind is a soft <laughs> malleable thing <laughs> <laughs> hey you know this is laser focus on not losing that thing oh crap we're wraiths <laughs> oh no <laughs> oh no oh no so it was us all along <laughs> it was us all along humans were the true monsters all along <laughs> Oh, okay. So now we're in comic three. We're, we're chugging along. We're making it through. And this is going to be the first time where I want to reference two cards about mist. Because, like, with, with Lucian farming, he's fighting a lot of mist rays. And we haven't really in any episode talked about the cards and how they're represented in the game. Because we do get some details about um, mist wraiths in the card game. So the first one's from the card Risen Mist, which is like a four-cost burst spell. It essentially summon mist wraiths. And that's essentially what's happening the whole time Lucian is running around. And we get a quote, not a quote, but we get a little uh, byline here where it's like, the mist race move through planes unseen by the mortal eyes, appear without warning, and inflict misery on all they encounter. And stylistically in the art that we get when Lucian is fighting mist race, it's kind of like him just walking and then boom, mist race, right? And this is kind of a consistent theme where it's not him wandering into a space where they exist. It's like they're there, and until they attack you or interact with you, you don't really know where they're going to attack from, which obviously is very dangerous. Yeah, and and that matches up, too, with a lot of the backgrounds that we've been getting thanks to the release of Legends of Terra, especially when we're looking at a lot of like the uh, the follower cards from Demacia. And... The, like just their struggle of trying not to die, like the struggle of waiting for Garen or Fiora to show up and save their butts. Yeah. Um. And especially with the the guys that kind of fight closer to the Shadow Isles, like they they've all seen some crap. Uh, we get to see that on the cards that were released with Nocturne. Uh, so like the unspeakable horror and stuff like that, where you know, the, the people are getting hunted and they're getting hunted by things that they cannot see. So it's always there. Yeah. We just, just never see it. Uh, exactly. And, but Lucian is like, no, no, I'm going to, I'm going to find them. I'm going to see them. 
and I'm going to farm them. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get that loot. <laughs> so another card that's also popular in the game is Mist Wraiths, the actual card, um, which is like a two cost, two, two. It's very popular. It's playing a lot of things. It's kind of an archetype in the Shadow Isles. But we do have another line on here that says these specters of the Isles shed their identities long ago to become amalgamations of pure, unappeasable hunger. And that's interesting because we focus a lot on how the mist affects um, prominent champions that have or prominent figures in the storyline, the main figures. So they have, you know, uh, big personality traits that get focused on when they turn. But we don't really focus on just the random people who are caught in the mist that don't really have any discernible features. So we now know that over time, it just wears away at your personality and you become just some random beast, essentially a mist beast that just eats, eats, eats without ever being um, sated. Yeah. And we, the only champion that really kind of scratches that surface too, of the wraiths just becoming these all-consuming beings would be Maokai and how Maokai was a spirit that lived on the Blessed Isles within the trees and after the ruination happened, severs himself from the Isles because he is realizing that if he stays connected, he too will just become one of these brainless wraiths. So Maokai is this monstrosity that is out to basically kill everything that has ruined the forests. But he is still held on to enough of himself to where he's not truly on the same plane as his race. And the mist racer would be what Maokai would be if he was still connected to the Isles. Exactly. Uh, like it, this, that, that is like the price that would need to be paid to hold on to these shreds of yourself. Uh, so that's, uh, how how would a human do that as far as like kind of severing their spirit from themselves so they don't become a wraith? Like, uh, uh, that's, that's, uh, that's a little steep. I know, right? You're asking a little much. Let's ask Zillian. He may, he may have an idea. <laughs> he's got to have my... seen, he's got to have seen something at it's this point to answer grade. that question. Um, <laughs> so comic three, we pick up with Senna returning, right? And immediately, uh, this kind of caters to, I think, the collective community understanding of what Senna was. So before we had these comics, a lot of people were like, okay, well, is Senna fully back? Is she, like, not? Because when Isolde shifted, we noticed that she became a beast, right? And she killed Viego. But when Senna returned, is it the same thing? Um, we noticed that she has, like, green eyes, and she still has mist pouring from her form, her now mortal form again. And when she comes out, she immediately shoots at Lucian. And Lucian's like, Senna, what the fuck, right? Like, <laughs> he was happy because she's free, <laughs> but she's not behaving like herself. And it turns out she's not shooting him with any dark shadow energy. It's actually, like, light energy um, from the artifact that she has. And it puts a shield around him to protect him from Thresh's subsequent attack. And then they're kind of like, all right, cool, let's get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Um, and completely off topic, it is really at this point that we can see the art liberties that the the illustrators for this comic took with some of these characters because Cinna be thick. Like, they, 
Like it's not like they've ever done like any injustice to Senna to where yeah. they had to clap back this hard. Yeah. But there's a couple of these frames where like like her <laughs> hips and thighs are wider than everything else. Hey, we get a back shot of Lucian too. Yeah, like Lucian, Lucian trying to compete. He's like, yo, J Lo, I, I can keep up. Like, I got some new pants where you were gone for the last five years. And everything skin tight. That's like, okay, damn. <laughs> Damn, the power couple. Yeah. Um, but but uh, outside of that, like the other thing that is this is really nice to see as far as Senna popping out immediately shooting Lucian is the, you have to remember that this comic specifically is fairly new yeah. and significantly newer than Senna being back in the plane of Runeterra as far as just as a champion in League of Legends. So the only things that we've had up to this point is Lucian, these voice lines in game talking about how happy he is that Senna's back while also harboring this doubt of if that's even Senna. So like fighting so hard to get revenge for the love of his life only to see the love of his life again and not even be convinced that it's who he thinks it is. And like, this is immediately illustrating this whole picture that riot has been painting of is Senna actually Senna? Is she something more nefarious? What's actually happened here? And we don't have that answered yet. Like we, all that we've got is Cinna going, okay, yeah, that that'll save you, but we got to go. Yeah. We, we, we got to go. And Lucian just being like, all right, cool. All right. I, I thought I was going to die today. Yeah. Uh, and then all of a sudden you're back. So I guess I don't want to die anymore. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'll just follow your plan. Say, uh, <laughs> mine is off the rails at this point. Exactly. <laughs> Rune King is coming back, she says, and we have to figure things out. So naturally, they head back to Damasia, originally where Lucian's from, right? Do we ever, and this is a question I don't, I don't think I have an answer to, unfortunately. Do we find out if Senna's also from Damasia or is she from somewhere else? Oh, I don't have For some reason, I always get Shurima vibes from her. Um, but I don't think we ever learned that. Yeah, I don't have that knowledge off oh, the top no, of my head. We don't. I'm going to research. Do we have to cancel the show now? Is it, is it all over? <laughs> yeah, like we, we, we're we useless now. <laughs> we're not we've all we've lost all, all of our that. listeners because you had to answer. You had to ask this question <laughs> live. <laughs> we told you it's going to be different. We don't have all the answers. <laughs> <laughs> but as, as Hedgecock looks into that, um, they head back to Damasia, and one thing we see, which you're not expecting, and remember, D- Damasia is a big region, right? So it's not like the city proper or anything like that. We don't really get those details, but they are entering a part of Dam- Damasia um, re- weeks later, it takes them weeks to get there, that has been ravaged by mist, which is ironic <laughs> considering that, you know, you would think a city built to be protected infinitely from magic uh, is crippled by the mist. And this kind of raises the question, well, is the mist magical or is it something different? Right? What do you think, Hedge? I I mean, it's clearly something different. Yeah. and But it's clearly also something that Demacians are aware of. Um, and, it's, and we know that because 
a vain story. And to kind of keep it short, because, you know, it's it's not in the card game, so we haven't really touched on it, but Vane is a monster hunter. Uh, like, Vane is the Van Helsing of Runeterra, and she trained with another monster hunter um, because she came from a very wealthy family in Demacia, and her parents ended up being killed by some unknown monster, and she ended up just falling in in line with the person that was hunting the monster that would killed her parents. Um, and that also ends up leading into like some other champion stories that we don't get to touch on with the card game, but we Demacians are aware of this because they've got these league, like the obviously the mage seekers are the ones that are like, okay, yeah, yeah, we'll fund, we'll fund these Van Helsing types. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Go hunt you know, your vampires because funding. it's like, yeah, go ahead and hunt them because if it's something we can't explain, it don't belong here. Listen, we um, know governments love funding mercenaries, but we won't <laughs> go down that route. Um, yeah, so so it it is something it is something that Demosians are aware of, but it's definitely different than just magic because it if it was magic, then none of these would be all boogeyman stories that you told your kids about to make them go to sleep. It'd be like the world that we understand today in actual real life, but it's not like that in Demacia. They got all this crazy crap going on around them. Got, got vampires eating parents out the bed with ghosts, just putting people in lanterns. Yeah. Uh, like Demacia is a, uh, they got, they they got a lot of boogeymen that they can't explain away, <laughs> and they're ignorant enough to try to ignore them. Yeah, and, um, <laughs> and uh, as far as with our Cinna question, uh, the best that I've got is that Cinna is from a fishing village on an island. Um, so okay, with that, it's she's officially from the region of Runeterra. Gotcha. Um, but I would imagine it's probably closer to the um, Bilgewater. Yeah. Uh, because she was marked by the mists at a very young age. True, true. So okay, that's good find. Um, there's your answer, listeners. We're always here for you. All right, we're, yeah, we're always see? digging. We got we got top men on it. Top men. <laughs> top men. Top men. <laughs> so Hetch with the great mention of Vane here because we get Vane in the comics. Surprise. Um, and we actually get her throughout the comic before she's officially introduced. Uh, in a lot of the panels, if you look in the background, like Batman in the Night, she's on a building or following them as they're entering Damasia, right? She's the only one that's stuck around uh, to fight the mist, um, but also she's caught on to what we find out is Senna. There's a point where they're fighting some mist wraiths, and a boat flies by her and hits a mist wraith, and she's like, oh, thanks for getting that. And she's like, no, I'm trying to kill your girl. <laughs> and Lucian obviously is confused. Senna's confused because she mentions that she hunts monsters vividly. And they're like, well, we're not monsters. And she's like, Senna is. And that's when everybody's like, uh oh. Yeah. You thought and, you were going to get your answer now? <laughs> not yet. <laughs> and that and that is like the, the, that's something very important to harp on here because like Vane does end up kind of continuing along with their journey here. Uh, and that's a huge deal because the spoiler to Vane's story is that she ends up killing her mentor because she finds out that her mentor was like cursed by a demon 
which is gave the, her mentor the ability to hunt monsters. And Vane was like, oh, so you're a monster then, you know, M- much like how the United States say, oh, so you have oil. <laughs> like, like so Vane is not playing with this stuff. <laughs> so to that point, we get some panels here to kind of look at the art aspect and when that moment happens, we get this head-on shot of Senna when she's like, what are you doing when Vane drops out of the sky? And in that shot, we get probably the most vivid glowing eyes that we see of Senna to see. And we keep mentioning this for a reason. We'll get there. Um, but her eyes are growing green and there's mist coming off of her, right? When uh, Vane makes this point and she's like, what are you doing? And she's like fighting monsters. Um and then you get a shot of Vane in a heroic pose, which gives you that dichotomy of hero versus monster, right? Uh, but we get kind of a settlement there where there's still a bunch of mist race around them. So they convince Vane, hey, we're here to fight the monsters as well. Can you help us? And she's like, I guess I can for now. I I love that they also paint it more because um, the... Vane isn't agreeing to help them is the way that they have it written out because it's Vane trying to kill Cinna and then Vane turning around because she's this madly overtrained killer. Yeah. And it's just like, haha, this Wraith thought it snuck up on me, but I hunt monsters for a living, fires a bolt at it, and it just harmlessly goes through it. Yeah. And then Senna blows it up with a weapon from the Sentinels of Light. And it's like, yeah, we have the weapons to kill them. And Vane's just like, you got any more of those weapons? (laughs) And like that, and like I love that that's how like they paint that this is how it's gonna work because it it, it, it's like truce for now. Yeah, truce for now. Because again, like Vane, Vane doesn't play with this crap. Like you got monster blood in you, you're a monster. That's plain and yeah. simple. There it is black and white to Vane. So all Vane is hearing is like I'm going to work with you f- long enough to get the weapon that I need to kill you. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and then it's like and this works because apparently I can't kill these things yet. So once <laughs> I can kill them by myself, I don't need you anymore and then you will die. Very utilitarian of her. Uh <laughs> <laughs> But the last two panels we get in this comic are important, again, um, as the one I mentioned before with the face shot of Senna, where she says, will you fight with us? And she says, for now. And in that, we have two shots of her hand, like them shaking hands. But Senna's hand, once again, is leaking mist. Yeah. Right. Uh, Like her hand's leaking mist. Every panel after that first panel that you're talking about where she's asking Vane, what are you doing? Like the the eyes are constantly drawn with this hue, with the glow to them. Yeah. Like it is, they are a light, yeah. and it's always just reminding you that there is something off with Senna. Uh, and again, that's what Lucian has been telling us for years. <laughs> uh, just like is is she actually back? Yeah, and. That kind of brings us to the halfway point, and for this episode, the stopping point. But, but soon, 
We'll be back with the next part of the comic where we'll go through issues four through six and wrap it up here. Uh, we want to give you guys, you know, we're giving you a lot of information here. We want to give you digestible pieces so you can listen, listen to at your own speed. Um, so definitely pay attention and, you know, follow us on the socials and you'll see when those new episodes with the second part pops up uh, so that you won't miss a beat. And you can listen to it straight through as well. Listen, we're not gonna we're not gonna force you to listen to it any certain way. Yeah, yeah, it's a. But this is a free internet. Don't listen a, to the second part and then the first part. Don't do that's crazy. <laughs> actually, like you definitely don't want to do that because if you listen to it like backwards, like on a rewind, at point eight <laughs> speed, you will unlock portals. It's true. It's like it's like the Chicago record. Don't listen to it backwards. Or you'll Don't summon Satan. Backwards. No, not Satan. Not Satan. And with that, thanks for listening. And we'll be back soon with the next episode. If you listen to us backwards, Viego will come out and kill you. <laughs> Don't say Viego three times in the mirror. He sold that. He sold that. He sold that. Oh goodness. All right. Take care, everybody.